Hey, hey, church fam, welcome to the No Man's Land podcast. I am Travis Polly, and this episode, I got to talk with my brother, Jeff. Jeff, that's G-E-O-F-F, is a member at the Preston Christ Church of Christ down in Dallas. We got to talk about family and homeschooling, influences he and I share, um, growing up involved in church, and a lot more. Jeff is a very thoughtful Christian man with a great attention to detail. That and him being my older brother, I think has often made me think back on lessons I've heard him preach and live out over the years, Bible classes he's taught. Man, I can still remember he must have been in high school or college and he preached this lesson on counting the cost of following Christ, which I don't think is something that we talk about a lot, You know that there is a cost to following Christ and that uh, it deserves careful consideration from, from his followers. Um, look at him. We get into a lot of things in this conversation. I hope you enjoy. I'll see you next episode. Point that right at your at your face if you want. Yeah, it should. Stick. All I have to go off of is like just YouTube YouTubers. Well, that's what we are. That's what we are right now. We're on the computer. <laughs> on the TV, man. Oh, man. We're on the TV. Man, big ones. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about um, several things, but I'd ask Dad this question i thought it'd be an interesting one to ask you i was asking him about his dad mm-hmm. our grandfather just stands to reason mm-hmm. that would be the Makes case sense. and i was asking him about this idea um about internalizing the voice of your father so sort of taking on your father's traits which i don't think is something that i mean everybody has a different pathway to it i guess but you know it, it's maybe not even something that for guys comes supernaturally. It's almost something you have to choose to sort of like, you know, well, you know, if you had a good dad, which we had a good, we have a good dad. Yeah. Uh, he's good. Um, but you sort of have to choose to like, well, maybe they told me some good things. Maybe they, <laughs> maybe they had a few good things to say and, mm-hmm. and sort of start taking that on. Can you think of anything that like you do or you, you, you keep in mind in your life now? that you learned from our dad? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and it, it's funny because I think often when I feel like I'm like channeling dad, mm-hmm. it's almost first like, you cringe. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first you cringe. But, yeah. but I think when it happens, I like don't realize it's happening until I've, you know, already said or done something. Until it's too late. Like, oh man. It's yeah. like, that's, that's just like, uh-huh. That's exactly like dad. So I, I think sometimes it can be something is just, I don't know, innocuous as just like mannerisms or expressions. Sure. Um, but, but, but sometimes, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of go back to maybe a, a lesson or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure if I can think of anything, anything specific just on the spot here. Well, I can but, think of one that dad and I talked about. This is a, this is now a multi-generational poly trait. Okay. And that is the ability, and some would some would say the desire to drive long distances uninterrupted. Yes, because that was something his dad, our grandfather, did. We we know that dad likes to do that. I've done it. I know you've done it. 
What's the longest you've driven? Um, are we counting, you know, necessary stops like for? Of a few course, more? no. I mean, you didn't you didn't break it up into multiple days. Like, oh, okay. You just probably the longest was when when I went to Harding. You know, yeah. driving either at the beginning of the school year right. or semester from you know the Detroit area down to Searcy, Little Rock, Arkansas area. Way. Or, or vice versa. Right. Um, and that would be, you know, if you didn't make any frivolous stops, mm-hmm. uh, it would take about 13 hours. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, sometimes I would leave, like, in the late afternoon or early evening and, you know, just roll in, you know, whenever I rolled in. And right. it was also a point of pride, you know, with my ancient car that, like, I could make it. It's incredible. If I was coming, coming from Arkansas to Detroit, I could make it you know, almost Indianapolis without having to stop for gas. And I only have to, if I started the full tank, I could stop once for gas and then make it. And then, you know, in theory, maybe stop to get a meal on the way. But yeah, I think that, I think that that's a good point. That is something I think I picked up from dad, um, you know, trying to go on long drives without, without making stops Mm -hmm. as little as possible. And then also not letting anyone else drive. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that one, you know, it's like the remote control, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's even, it's even bigger deal. Cause it's like, I would far rather have my hands on the wheel, especially now, ironically, having been in some, some minor wrecks and mm-hmm. things that just makes me more of a control freak. I get more nervous if somebody's driving, even if they're a great driver. Um, but, uh, cause at least if there's a wreck, you'll know that it's like, it was it was on you exactly and i'll be defensively driving yeah and make sure that my side is as protected as possible exactly <laughs> um, exactly you know i was also thinking this came up with dad on the on the cast because he's now it's been a couple weeks now that he's been on the podcast oh he's a two-timer so he returned no no no, just the ones oh, okay but okay. some would say it it should have been multiple episodes but i don't listen to those people <laughs> um but he, one of the things we got into talking about was our family, the Polly family, which is really what this is all about. Um, we're, we have that interesting split, right? You and me are from the 90s. Sure. You being from earlier in the, the 90s. The, as early as can, can go back in the, in 90s, the 90s. Yes. And, and then Miranda and Nina, our younger siblings, for the folks at home, um, are there's a nine year gap between me and Miranda. So there's this kind of a big gap. There's a four and a half year gap between you and I, but we were sort of, you know, raised in a similar time. Mm -hmm. And then Miranda and Nina come along. And I I think about it a lot as probably because I'm one of the middle ones and we (laughs) tend to do that. But do you think about that? Like what the dynamic is in the family being the, being the oldest of such a, of such a large uh, gap of, years because you were like we were talking about you were like 16 when nina came along yeah i was uh you know kind of getting getting close to to you know heading off to college really so yeah i mean i do think about that sometimes because um and and it is a really interesting dynamic because you know we are you know significantly older Mm -hmm. we were you know brought up and not not a significantly different time i think technologically you know things said progressed sure. rapidly i mean you know by the time the other girls were around but you know i think fairly similar but i think another dynamic too is that you know raising two boys is very different from raising two girls yes so just kind of being able to to see that and and now 
you know, not even so, I don't know if I'd call myself an outsider, but, but I'm kind of an outsider, you know, <laughs> since I've, you know, kind of left, left the nest many, yeah. many moons ago, it seems like, of yeah. just kind of seeing some of the differences, um, you know, in kind of just the, the, the overall child rearing. And I think part of that is just, you know, time. I think that, you know, parents learn, a, you know, things that, that work, things that don't work, you know, right. battles to pick or not pick right. uh, and everything. But then I think it's also very different, um, you know, like I said, raising two boys versus two girls. So it's been very intriguing to kind of see the differences. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I don't, you know, necessarily spend a lot of time thinking about <laughs> it, but but it is kind of funny, you know, especially, you know, having hindsight and, you know, again, being almost an outsider now, right. um, it, I think it definitely is different no, and not, you know, for, for, not for the worse. I don't think, I think that's, you know, they, they get better with age. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to see mom and dad's parenting, mm -hmm. you know, evolve over such a long period of time that, I mean, they've still got, you know, Nina's still in school and, mm -hmm. uh, and it, it blows my mind to think about like, you would have started school in like 90 through 94, 95. Yeah. And yeah. they've, and, and they've still got a kid in school. It's just crazy to me. Yeah. That's the long, that's a long haul. That is a long haul. Um, I was also thinking about the fact you and I were homeschooled and homeschooled at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking about it. I was, I was thinking about asking, you know, and talking about maybe like the, now that you've had, like you said, many moons ago, you were in the house, but have you thought about like the, the benefits and the, and the, you know, what, what have, what have you come to like maybe appreciate over time about being homeschooled? Yeah. Um, and I would, I guess, start off by saying two things. One, I think that for, for me, homeschooling, you know, was, it was a really good experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I me gained a lot from that and, I, and I'll get into that in a moment, but you know, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's necessarily for everybody. Sure. Um, you know, it, some people are going to do really well in that mm -hmm. setting. Um, others are not for various reasons. Um, because I think that one of the advantages and one of the things that I think being homeschooled taught me is you, you know, a lot of independence in that, you know, in especially the older you get, like in high school, especially, you know, you're really have to be responsible for, you know, your, your own studies and your own work. If you don't, it'll show. If you don't, it'll show. And, you know, you might, you know, find yourself, you know, staying up super late working on stuff that you could have done a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And again, every, every household, you know, homeschooled mom or dad, whoever is sure. going to be teaching is going to kind of have their own own rules and everything but generally speaking i think there tends to be a lot more independence and you're yeah. just you have to be accountable to get your work done and i think that benefited me a lot um going into college and then just getting into the professional world um being kind of a self-starter kind of self-starter and yeah. not not that you can't get that from sure. you know public or private school or anything but i think that um it was very natural to almost be forced to develop those sure. skills, um, especially when you start getting into, you know, into high school, uh, age. So I think that that's one thing that I think was, it was really good for me. Um, I, you know, one of the other things, and again, you can get this other places, but I think it just naturally tends to occur in, you know, Christian homeschool families mm -hmm. settings is that, you know, I got to spend a lot of time, um, studying the Bible. 
Yeah. Um, just for school. Do you um, think that's why we're so smart? Probably. Yeah. Uh, pro- one of many reasons, sure. I think. Um, but, you know, getting, getting the opportunity to like, I don't know, start to know the Bible fairly well at a, at a younger age, you know, in more impressionable age and, and everything's mm-hmm. like that was, was really beneficial. Um, and I would not consider myself like a, you know, a biblical scholar necessarily, but I think a lot of the knowledge that I do have can, can be traced to, you know, being able to spend a lot of time, um, you know, kind of for school, mm-hmm. actually studying the Bible. I mean, at our congregation that, that we attended, you know, oh, I yeah. did Bible Bowl. So I got to do like Bible Bowl, you know, study as, as part of school. So right. that was, that was pretty, pretty neat um, to be that able to. That sounds like a cheat code, man. <laughs> It, it probably was. I'm probably not sure. Was. I'm not sure if the the governing bodies, you know, of the Bible Bowl and you know Metro Detroit necessarily endorsed it. But it we was got not a, we ac- got away with it. It was not an accredited Bible Bowl study program. Not to not to my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so I those, uh, all those trophies and medals and stuff could could essentially be worthless for all. Yeah. I was also thinking about. I know one of the things that I remember. It's weird that I remember it as like. It's just growing up in general, but I almost remember it as part of my a part of our schooling mm-hmm. was, you know, well, of course, you know this, but mom used to sell books right back in the day. Yes. Used to sell used books on on the eBay. Acutely aware of this. Um, <laughs> and that meant you and I would uh, spend a lot of time in the car. Mm-hmm. We just spent a lot of time in the car anyway. Sure. Um, but driving all over Michigan bookstores and libraries and things like that. Uh, on the hunt for books mm-hmm. and then in that process we were just in the car a lot so we talked a lot like I just remember especially being younger sort of hearing conversations maybe between you and mom or you and mom and dad and sort of picking up on all of these things like these sort of I, I remember them as very deep conversations do you remember it that way like having sort of like intellectual you know conversations arguments maybe political Things like that. Do you remember that? Specifically in the context of going to on the hunt to. Yeah, just like, well, and just all all the time that we were just, we spent in the car. I just, I feel like we had a lot. Obviously, we were homeschooled, so Mm -hmm. there's that aspect of it. But built into that was we were all, always all over the place doing stuff. And so we're in the car a lot. And so not only are we with each other a lot, but we're also kind of, you're kind of forced to talk a lot. Like, (laughs) not that it's a bad thing. I mean, I don't necessarily remember anything, anything specific. Mm. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm old. Um, maybe. So I don't, well, I don't, I've often suspected that I, I mean, you know, how can you know if your memory is the only way you know if your memory of something is, is accurate or even remotely accurate is to compare notes. And, and if, if age is, is, is making that memory go away, that's fine. But I remember, and I pro- again, I also remember it probably differently because I was younger and I was sort of like listening in a lot of the time. Sure. Um, and then when you got out of there, I could, you know, pipe in with my Get own crazy ideas. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I do remember like, again, part of that process of being homeschooled and then obviously having subjects like Bible and things like that built in where it was like, not only did we do it at church, but then we were doing it at home Yeah, in a, in an organized fashion. It wasn't mm-hmm. just, wasn't just these conversations that we would have sort of around the family water cooler. Right. Um, but it, also in a very organized fashion. But I, I remember getting the most out of listening in to you guys sort of debate or argue and, 
you've always had a very academic mind. Would you would you agree with that? I I mean, uh, you were a good student. Don't I was I was all right. I'll brag on you. I was all right. Um, you double majored. I did. Yes. Yeah. Spanish. Did. Spanish and international business. So right. Both I, sort of have an international flair. One one could say one that. one could say so. I thought it would be really funny if I asked you a question. Could you? St- are you? Do you still consider yourself fluent? Absolutely not. Okay, that's a bummer because I was going to ask you a question and you would just answer the whole thing in Spanish, and then I would go, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, <laughs> like I, I understood. Yeah, I mean, we we could try, but I, yeah. I, I think it might make you know me look look bad, and I'm, that's not what I'm here. You could <laughs> you could probably pick it up though faster if you like had. Yeah, when you get kind of forced into a setting where you have to use it, a lot of it does come back. But it's right. just like you know, so there's so there's there's some muscle memory, but sure. you know, it also kind of you know another thing that muscles do is they atrophy. Oh man, if, if they're not used, quick and get I, a dictionary. <laughs> yeah, I used to um, I used to use it a fair amount, you know, for work. But it's it's been a while since I've I've really had to use it. Yeah, um, and I also you know I used to use it a lot like in church settings, and you know right. don't have the opportunity really to do that anymore. So That's it's right. kind of gone by the wayside a little bit but you know i can i can get by because we had as part of our church growing up auburn hills church of christ a little plug for any of our uh, folks at home in the auburn hills area um i think it's still there i believe so okay um but uh but we grew up there and and for many of those years we had there was a hispanic congregation that met sort of adjoined with uh with the with the english folks right english-speaking folks uh, and so we would often do double duty. We would be at the at the the English speaking services, mm-hmm. and then we'd be at the Spanish speaking services. And you did a lot. You like led a lot, right? I did. Do you ever lead singing in Spanish? Oh, I've done it many times. You have? Um, yeah. I I I've, sort of remembered that, but yeah, I did that memory. some. You know, for at, at Auburn Hills for the for our you know kind of Spanish speaking contingent, probably in college. There. And then yeah, a fair amount at college. Both like we had you know. For, for people that were, you know, taking Spanish classes or Spanish majors or just for people that, you know, spoke that were native speakers that right. wanted to have a place, you know, to worship in, in Spanish, we would have Wednesday night devotionals. And then there was also, you know, in, in town, one of the Churches of Christ had, um, they had an, another building kind of on their campus. It was just this little white house and, mm-hmm. you know, it was called La Casita Blanca, which means little white house. Um, and it was a Spanish-speaking congregation, um, and I would often help out with uh, with leading singing there, especially like junior, senior year, even preached a little bit. Um, so it was that that was a that was a wow. really good experience to get to um, to get to kind of engage in a worship in leading a worship service, whether it be you know singing, pre- even preaching or, or or praying or things like that presiding over the Lord's Supper. Um, that was, it was pretty cool to, to get to do that. And those groups, you know, especially like in, you know, in Arkansas or in Michigan, they, they weren't huge groups. So there was a lot of opportunity to be able to step in, mm-hmm. um, to, to help with that. So that was a, that was a really cool experience and, you know, you know, help me, you know, develop Spanish skills a lot. And, and then also That's just great. get to, to feel like I was, you know, part of the worship and for a group that, that really appreciated it um, right. for in, in both cases, both at Michigan and, and at Harding. So that was, that was a pretty cool experience. And you went while you were in Harding, you studied abroad down in Chile. I did. 
right after the big earthquake, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they had, I think it was an 8.8 magnitude earthquake that hit, um, and it, it delayed our trip by like a week. That's right, um, yeah. But it's like when we were there, we saw very little damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was cool. Um, but I mean, they're just, they have earthquakes so often that they're, they, their they architecture is it. really built yeah. for it. And I've heard that. Um, you know, I mean, that'll, you can only prepare so much, but they were pretty, pretty well prepared. And thankfully they were spared from a lot of, you know, catastrophic damage that other places that are less prepared will sustain for much smaller, right. um, seismic events. So, and you got to see, you've seen the Amazon rainforest, you've seen the Amazon river. I've swam in it. You've yes. swam in the Amazon river. Mm-hmm. You're crazy. <laughs> you think swimming in the ocean is crazy. Try yeah. the Amazon. Yeah, I was, you know, we, we got the opportunity to do that. And, you know, some people, you know, chose not to just because, you know, sure. who knows what's in there. Um, and, you know, there, there's also, you know, you could potentially get sick, which I did. I don't think it was because of swimming in the river. I think it was just right. something with water or food or something like Perhaps that. Perhaps homesickness. Uh, yeah, that, that, that could have been a factor. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was that was that was pretty cool to get to spend time there. And, you know, there's very 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 little civilization there there's yeah. that, there's there is no bridge unless things have changed since 2010 there's no bridge that spans that river wow. um so there's just which it's just that wide and massive and everything but there's just very little civilization um it was a, re- a really cool experience to to get to see you know something that you know you always hear about or read about uh, but to actually get to to spend some time there was pretty cool could you tell for the folks at home because I want to hear it again. The tarantula spotting story. <laughs> uh, what was this? You took a bunch, it was the guys, right? Um, so the, at the place where we were staying, it was like a, right. I think it was considered a lodge. Group and, of Harding students. Yeah, so so our group, I think we had about something in like the, maybe the mid, mid-30s uh, students, and then Total. we had... For, for students, yeah. yeah. And then we had, you know, teachers that were there with us, and then the director of our program was there too. We stayed at this lodge, um, and it was literally just like, you know, on bamboo sticks, like, you know, kind of above the, the, the rainforest floor. Wow. You know, these, these buildings. Um, so there was like a building for where we would eat our meals, and then mm-hmm. just like kind of individual bungalows or cabins or what have you where, where we would stay. Um, and... You know, there were a lot of different activities that we could do, you know, through the place that we were staying, different excursions. And they had some during the day and they had some nighttime excursions. Um, and mm. one of the nighttime excursions, um, you know, was just like looking looking for wildlife. And like, you know, these guys are just incredible, like just in the dark. They can just find these animals like they just scooped up this baby caiman, which is like a type of alligator right. basically yes. out of the water. We all got to hold it. But but one of the excursions was we were going to go looking for tarantulas and I do not care for spiders in the slightest, but I think I just felt like I was going to miss out if I didn't go. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they took us out in the boats and we weren't on the Amazon. We were on like one of the either tributaries or distributaries that, you know, kind of go off the, the main river and the guides took us. Um, and I can't remember if it was just us in one boat or if there were two or three of them. They, they, they took us out to an area where they, they knew, you know, that they were going to find these spiders. And, um, you know, we approach one of the trees and they shine their big old 
you know, floodlights um, onto this um, onto this this tree trunk, and it's like a tree that, like, you know, it's it, it wasn't you know actually on the shore. It was like a tree trunk that was like just growing out of the water. Mm. Um, and you know, they shine the the light on the tree, and the, sure enough, there's there's a tarantula just right there on on the tree. And how I big? was how big. In my memory, it, it in my like memory this. it seemed like it was about as big as my palm right. or, or my entire hand, but it, it probably was you know somewhere, I don't know, maybe about palm size or a little bit bigger. It was a good good size spider, hairy looking thing. Yeah, very. Um, it was like per, it was like almost purple, like in the light. Yeah, and so, ungodly. Yeah, I guess it is if you made them, but you know yeah, the look of the thing. Not not something that you necessarily want to see. Mm-mm. But uh, so they're shining the light on it. I was. You know, happened to be in the back of the boat. I don't like spiders, so I, I got a friend of mine. You know that you know people were taking pictures, and you know they were cool with us going to the front of the boat to get better pictures. And I didn't really want any part of that. So a friend of mine, you know, I off I asked him if he could take my camera and take a picture, which he did, and everything. Mm. So I got some good shots that I didn't take. But we're sitting there taking the pictures and everything. And there are like other other trees and tree branches around us. Yeah. And I remember somebody asking the guide, you know, well, like, what about, you know, this tree over here? Because there's like this tree branch that was like, you know, just a, I don't know, three, four, five feet, you know, away from our heads, basically. Right. It was about okay. head level, you know, horizontal. Yeah. And the guide said like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, we don't ever see them there. They don't go um, on that tree. They don't. Yeah. Which like, I mean. I think they can't if they These are some to. picky spiders, apparently. Yeah, but I mean, so they, they said, no, no, there's not going to be anything there. But I guess just to, to humor us or something, they, they do go ahead and shine the, the floodlight onto that branch. And sure enough, there's like another huge tarantula just like right there, just like just a few feet away oh. from my, my friend's head. Oh. So that was, yeah, that was a little bit har- awesome. harrowing. And then like yeah. we kind of kept going and then, you know, they were shining – the light, and then we're like getting kind of amongst the trees that are in the water, and then they shine the lights like up into the trees, Not and you okay. can just see them like on the branches or on the leaves. Not okay. And it's like in my mind, it seemed like they could just fall or jump down onto us at any time, but we ended up surviving. Yeah, this is why I studied abroad in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably much more scary. It was a mu- maybe, maybe, but it was domesticated for the most part. Sure. Um, so you, for for those that don't know you. And this is a church podcast, so people have seen, many people have seen you around town, around yeah. McDermott, but the reason they don't see you all the time, you go to Preston Crest Church of Christ. I do indeed. Sort of a sister church to the McDermott Road congregation, um, if you want to think about it that way. We can. Um, <laughs> so you've been going there for almost 10 years, right? Yeah, it's hard to believe, but it'll it'll be uh it'll, it would I guess next year it'll be ten years. You met so your wife here. there. I did. So I kind of remet her, but yeah, right. but yeah, that, that was where kind of her her home congregation. So you have an affinity for the you have a this is your church home. Yeah, absolutely. And you teach Bible class um, regularly. I well, I we have like a so our class. Um, I very regularly teach our our Tuesday night small group, and then. Um, I'll teach, like, it's kind of funny, like, the dynamic we have at Preston Crest off, you know, and not, not every class is like this, and we have a lot of classes for adult education, but often there will be, like, kind of get guest speakers, basically, guest teachers, right. so you, people, you'll, people absolutely teach their kind of home class, but often, 
um, you know, people from other classes will kind of teach a series right. you know, in our class. And, you know, I've, I've taught a series in another class and I've kind of co-taught with my father-in-law as well. So oh, that's cool. Um, it's, it, so it's weird. I haven't really actually taught, you know, our class on Sunday mornings right. super often, but, um, just, that's just kind of the, the, the setup that we have, but definitely for, uh, for just like our midweek Bible study, very teach that quite often. So. That's cool. You, uh, I noticed you recently, we'll kind of talk about some church things, but to get there, I noticed you recently reading Dostoevsky. Yes. On my second Dostoevsky. You've been on a reading list with some, some a lot of Russian literature on it, right? Um, or it's just I, a think, few things? I think it's just been the two, the, the two so far, I think. You've read two Dostoevsky books? Well, I've read one and I'm And I'm you're in the here midst, and you're I'm in such the, a good mood. I'm in the midst of reading a second one, yeah. <laughs> How has that been? You're reading Demons, I yes, think it's called? Yes, Demons, that's right. Well, that's right up the alley of this podcast. Oh, yeah. So, um, how, how, where are you at? Um, I'm probably about a fifth to a quarter of the way done. So when we were on vacation a week, couple weeks ago, I, yes. I made a lot of progress on it. And since being back at work and everything, I, I haven't been at it as hard but you know you know again probably you know fifth to a quarter of the way through it yeah um yeah but it's really it's really interesting reading really any text i mean if you think about it like the bible it's like we're we're not reading the bible in its original language right right so you know I, i do have that background but like when you're reading a novel you know, and this and Dostoevsky wrote in the you know eight kind of mid to late 1800s yeah you know, so you're dealing with one, you know, very different time. Right. Um, and then a very different place. You know, that time in, in Russia was a very fascinating time. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of a powder keg right, waiting to explode. And that's what this book kind of deals yes, with it a was. lot. Um, and then also you're reading a translation. Um, so it just, it makes for kind of a challenging read, but you can tell that he was... I think way ahead of his time for a novelist mm. as far as understanding human behavior and human psychology. Right. And I think he could kind of see some things that were coming, um, you know, both for, you know, his own country and things that would kind of envelop, you know, Europe and, you know, just the Western world, you know, within the next hundred years. Right. Um, you know, you know, fascism and, you know, communist movements. I think you could kind of yeah. see some of that coming. And a lot of these books, you know, touch on some themes and just concerns that he had. Now, I'm by, again, I'm by no means an expert, but it's it's been interesting reading these books that are pretty old, translated, and, you know, coming from, from somebody that grew up in a very, with I think a very different worldview and mindset. But it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. And, it, you know, it's it's nice to kind of broaden your, Broaden your horizons with with um, with what you're reading, and not you know always just read you know the same right. American, Canadian, British authors or what have you. Right, that's interesting because you said he's writing at a time where there's sort of this powder keg in Russia and the world as mm-hmm. as, as a whole at that time, uh, and then we get the 20th century, which is you know full of systems breaking down and new you know totalitarian regimes rising up and. And I, you know, it's, I saw you reading that book while we were on vacation. It made me think about how when that was written and what was, you know, what we now know was going to follow that, Mm -hmm. that kind of, um, those dark explorations into human nature, Mm 
and looking for the subtleties, looking for, well, the, the, the results of bad behavior, the results of bad thinking, well, they might not be being played out yet, but we're seeing that, you know, he's, you know, somebody like Dostoevsky and similar authors that, that I'm a little familiar with are sort of picking up on the subtleties first. And then we see what sort of leads, what, what those sort of behaviors and thinking lead to. And I think now we're living in a time where we're starting to, you know, I mean, I think a lot about in church specifically, you know, where is the culture seeping in and where is the, where is the bad thinking seeping in? And I think a lot of the, you know, what is really very, a very humanistic, um, way of thinking that the culture has and the culture is always going to have, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the worldly culture, um, but a lot of that thinking, I, I think, is uh, we don't have to get into all of it. But I think it, it's 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 going. If it's not already, it's going to pop up into the church, and it's going to because we're in the world. We're not supposed to be of the world, but that's a that's a very fine line that we mm-hmm. walk. And so I, you know, you you reading that book got me thinking about well, how how do we look for the subtleties of bad thinking and bad behavior. And as Christians, the, you know, the, you know, I think God will always protect his church, but as, as church members, as, as people involved in church, it's definitely on us to, to be looking out for each other and to be looking out for how that, how bad thinking and bad behavior can start popping up in very subtle ways that lead to very terrifying conclusions when they, when they go unnoticed. Because I think, have have you have you noticed any of this like the the language that we use in church sometimes it sounds exactly like what the world's talking about to me um yeah i mean the things we care about the things that like the things like the things we place at the top i feel like sometimes they're they're borderline humanistic goals at times they're very or or like maybe often they're very achievement based Oh, that's um, interesting. So there, uh, uh, I heard a story from from somebody at Preston Crest that you know he is you know previously had done a lot with like campus ministry, mm-hmm. and this would have been probably like I think maybe in the '90s or early early 2000s or something. But he, he told a story about going to I think a conference um, of campus ministers, mm-hmm. and it was like really kind of more of an awards ceremony, and they were honoring people who had like the most baptisms from their college ministry. And they were like kind of awarding people for like, you know, you know, Bill Johnson, you know, with like 58 for the year or something like that. And they would just get all this like standing ovation and applause and everything. And, you know, he's telling that story, you know, just, just saying how I guess kind of appalled um, he was and just how he's like, I I didn't want to like, be a part of, of, of a ceremony like that because it's it's not about an achievement like you know God is the one that is getting these these gains for his church it's not us it's not like us getting um, you know getting our achievement patch or something like that so I think that 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 can be one thing that you know and, that, and that's what's in you know that's what's in the corporate world that's what's you know in, in sports and, and everything it's it's like kind of all about achievement and I think I've that can be something that they can seep in uh, so that that sort of language um, sometimes 
not that there's anything wrong with taking attendance, but like sometimes even focusing a lot on that, like, Oh man, like, or, you know, attendance was, was down last year. Like, you know, not that there aren't reasons to be concerned about that, but if that's your only focus, then that's, that's a problem. So sort of always thinking about the numbers, Yeah, like making it a numbers game. And I don't, you know, think that's what it's really ever been about. It's, it's about, um, you know, trying to bring people into the kingdom and, you know, it's it, it's not about you know, the 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 raw numbers. It, right. It's about and and again, it's about God getting those those gains, not us. So mm. I think that kind of I don't know. That's maybe almost like a more of a materialistic thing that, that you can maybe see seeping in. Right. Um, but then there's also, you know, I think some very very troubling trends. You know, whether it's the Church of Christ or the the Church at large. Right. Um, where where you start you know, hearing things from, you know, from, um, you know, teachers or preachers or pastors. Um, and, and it's like, let me preface this by saying, I don't necessarily know any personally. So sure, I'm, you know, sure. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not, not going to name names or anything. Cause I, d- I don't really have any to name, but like sometimes you'll see, uh, congregations, you know, getting into messages, um, or just philosophies that, I don't see rooted in scripture. Right. I see rooted in, um, you know, maybe our culture, um, but they, they just don't seem biblically based. Well, and that could be, so, it can be so deceiving because it's like, you know, obviously, you know, the language is not limited. And so when we talk about something like love, well, the world's going to have a definition of that. And then we're going to have definitions of that. And you see something like compassion, the world's going to have a definition of that. And then we're going to have a definition of that, but you don't necessarily know which one we're talking about every time it gets brought up. Yeah. And you know, I, I was just talking to a buddy of mine lives in Fort Worth and they've been kind of, they haven't been there too long and they're, they're church, they're church shopping. Mm. <laughs> Terrible term. Um, horrifying, but, um, they're church shopping right now. And, they said that, you know, they went to a couple churches and, and they would have this, they started having this experience rather commonly that they would, you know, they'd go and they'd meet the people and they'd worship and they'd listen to the messages from class and sermons and things like that, talks that people give. And they'd sort of, you know, on the surface, they'd go, yeah, I kind of agree with that. That sounds mm-hmm. good. And then, yeah, but then they'd walk away and they sit on the drive home several times. They've had this experience that there wasn't a single scripture Wow. You know, it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't even be like pretending to be Bible based. It wasn't even, it wasn't even, you know, not that this is any better, maybe it's worse, but like using scripture poorly, (laughs) it was like, it was just sort of abandoning it altogether. Mm -hmm. And sort of this, you just sort of got the idea that Jesus was why we were there, not why they were there, not, but never really stated, Mm -hmm. never actually going to, to his words and never. I mean, that's got to be the problem, right? I mean, whatever the specifics of how it plays out is, are we, are we actually talking about scripture? Are we actually, you know, or, or is it as I, as I fear and kind of what you were, I think getting at is like, we're, the Bible can easily get into things. You know, if you read too long, it easily gets into things that are going to step on cultural hot points, uh, in no time. I mean, you don't, maybe if you pick verse by verse out Mm -hmm. and do it that way, you can avoid that stuff. Many do. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think we're seeing that. And I, I think, 
to me, my my fear about that is not just obviously the 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 effects that that has initially of the people listening and and people not getting people not getting scriptures that you know we need we need all of it you know if if if, if we were given the whole Bible you know I got to think there's something there's something good in all of that um, so if we're avoiding certain passages if we're avoiding certain topics well, that's a problem but it's also a problem because we'll, how long do you think the church is going to be relevant if we're not even willing to, you know, to, to wade into to dark waters, you know? Yeah. And we're, we're supposed to stand out from the world, not just not look like them. And if we're just, if the church, you know, and again, I use that term broadly, sure, but if the yeah. church Me too. is wanting to look exactly like the world to like try to fit in or bring in more people, then it's, right. it's not standing out anymore. And like, you know, people can, can get, you know, some of those things anywhere. Like why does, you know, why even bother going to church? And, and, and again, I think it, it all comes back to what we were saying that, that, that scripture has to be our, our guide. And yeah, one quick story I'd mentioned earlier that, you know, we'll have at Preston Crest, we'll often have like, you know, guest teachers. Well, we, we had Ron recently and it, he wasn't actually in to do a series. I think he was actually filling in for, for somebody for a week or two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd seen him before, you know, I didn't really know him super well. Uh, I don't think I'd ever, you know, been sitting in a class that he taught, but it was just so refreshing because like it was a great lesson and it was one of those, I don't know, almost kind of an old school type of lesson where Mm. I liked, you know, when when they're, when a teacher or a preacher, you know, goes to a scripture and it's like, it's up on the board and everything, you know, I usually, you know, I, I take their word for it, but at the same time, I usually like to check myself and like maybe read it in the translation that I prefer or, you know, make sure that it's, you know, that is what it says. That's right. Know. Like the um, Bereans. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I like to try to follow along. Yeah. And his lesson was one where I was having a hard time keeping up because we were going through so much scripture. And it was just like what my, my friends in class pointed that out. And I was like, you know, yes, I feel like, you know, I haven't had that in a while where there was just so much, so much scripture that he was referencing up. in relevant scripture yeah. that I was having a hard time keep up. And like, that's that's a good problem to have. Uh, if you're going to have one. So, you know, I, I just say that to say that recently had a, a, an experience where it was yeah. the opposite, that it was biblically based. Well, then you notice it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you like, it, you know, and again, not to, you know, not casting aspersions sure. at you know, other teachers or preachers or anything. That's, it was just, it did stand out yeah. because, you know, there was so much, so much um, scripture being referenced. And if, but, but if that's, if that's not our guide, like that's, I think it can just take us to some, some, some bad places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point, you said that there's, there's always going to be scripture. Um, you know, there's some scripture that's really easy to read and that's, um, you know, that it, it makes sense. And like the world kind of, at least on a surface level accepts, mm-hmm. um, right. I really love the stuff about mercy and mercy grace and, and love and grace. And it's like, yeah. and, and like, um, or like even just like, you know, just things that, that are said that aren't, don't even necessarily sound expressly religious, but that you'll see all the time, like the, the truth shall set you free. Like, you know, Jesus said that, but people just like kind of use that as just a, as just like, just a, just a saying. Right. Um, another example, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's often attributed to Abraham. He didn't say it first. He did say it, but he was again, quoting Jesus. So there's a lot of scripture out there that the world, like, again, kind of somewhat accepts, but there's a lot of scripture that is pretty uncomfortable to read. And I'm talking about, it's uncomfortable for me to read. Oh yeah. 
Um, there are things that I struggle with that I read, but it just, and sometimes, I don't know, maybe you feel guilty about that or you feel like your faith is being shaken, but at the, the older and hopefully more mature I get, the more I realize I don't think that's always a bad thing. Mm. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, because, and it goes all the way back to just the foundation of God's people, you know, that, you know, Jacob wrestling with God and, you know, Mm. God gives him a new name, you know, which literally Israel literally means struggling with God. And that's what his people were named after. Hmm. So that concept of like wrestling with God, struggling with God, uh, and by extension, his word is, is not a bad thing at all. It means that you're paying attention right. and that you, that you cherish it and that you want to understand it better. So it's, it's, it's a very, if anything, a very good thing to, to allow yourself to be challenged and to not, you know, skip over the verses or the, you know, or the, that, that, that are challenging. Right. You know, we need to, to face those head on and, uh, you know, be humble enough to know that we're, we're not always going to have the answers and, you know, seek out people that, you know, have been studying it longer than we have, whether that be, you know, going to a bookstore and like reading something from, from, uh, you know, from an author that's really studied it or, you know, talking to, you know, family members or, or people at, you know, your congregation that, that yeah. you maybe really respect and admire and getting, getting their perspective and not necessarily always taking what they say as fact, but just getting, getting another perspective because that it can make you think about it in a way that you didn't before instead of hiding from it or running away from it because that's, that's when you start, I think, getting into some of the things that, that we see now that are troubling. That's interesting because we're avoiding it. We're avoiding the issues at hand. You know, you mentioned like, you know, as you mature, hopefully, you know, you, there's, a, there's a process. I've been thinking about this process lately and how, you know, when you do things for, as a kid, you know, as you and as you're, you know, getting through high school and college and things, you know, I would still consider I was a kid in college. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, maybe out of college too. But uh, I was thinking about the process of like, well, just because you don't know a lot of things, you don't really know anything for much of that time. You do th- so if you do anything at all, you're sort of doing it naively. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we rightly as a as a, as a community. Uh, sort of accept that because well they're kids like they're learning they're they're you know they they may not know the dangers of some of the things they're getting into or they may not know uh, how much work it's going to be the things they're getting into because they just don't know they just they're ignorant and you you know you have people hopefully that are guiding you and and helping you on that but not restricting you too much but then I know I've experienced this in my 20s here then you start well now you don't get to be naive because now you've now you've learned a few things and you know a little bit about the the trouble you can get into you know a little bit about how to estimate how much work you're taking on or mm-hmm. you know the 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 ideas you're exploring you you can sort of even if even with things now that you don't know you're sort of aware of how much you don't know right you know a common expression um you know the more you know the the more you realize you don't know um and then to do anything because you can't do it naively. You have to, as you said, face it head on. And I think that about scripture sometimes that, you know, you and I both uh, grew up in church and grew up in a family that scripture was very important to, I would say. And, but there's so many things that like, I mean, I can, I can probably recount to you a lot of scripture now, Mm -hmm. but I'm seeing it still because maybe I haven't revisited it. So I'm sort of seeing it through a kid's eyes. And 
but then now when I go back and I study some of those things again, you know, you study some of those Old Testament stories and you go, wow. That, first of all, not a kid's story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were going over it. Which and, is and one, even the ones that are, you know, kids stories right. really aren't like, you know, Noah's Ark is, uh, you know, really cute, you know, felt board yeah, story. Yeah, you think about all those drowning people. And, and then, then you remember that, like, <laughs> there are all these, you know, all these souls and animals yeah. that, you know, were that perished. So absolutely. Yeah. And you sort of like and then you kind of go back and then in order to I think that my theory is this. I think that that part of the maturation process, and you can apply it, I think, to all kinds of things that we're talking about. But that sort of maturation process where you now you've lost the ability to be naive because you're, you've been around a little bit. You've seen a little bit, hopefully. Hopefully, you've, you know, you've drawn some good conclusions from the things that you've seen and experienced. And then now to do anything to act at all. You know, you, you can't do so naively. You, know, you might have, the, for example, you might have the, the idea when you're a kid that, you know, everybody's basically pretty good. And, and, uh, and, and then as you get older, you start realizing, well, no, not everybody. <laughs> everybody might have the potential for being good. Right. Everybody maybe can be redeemed no matter how bad. You know, I think that's fundamental that we believe that. But you, you, don't, you definitely start to learn, well, not everybody not everybody is basically good or, you know, many, many, you know, there's, there's a thousand million different ways that you can, you can get off of that path. And so then, you know, to trust people to, you know, you, you sort of have to go in now with your eyes open. And I think where, I think where it's easy to get tripped up in that process is, is to not do anything, to sort of stop acting, to stop looking at the hard passages sure. now that you now that you you know to, in order to do so you would have to do so with your eyes open with with some knowledge to back it up and I think you know again as somebody that I know you know you you, you lead your small group a lot I know you're uh, you're gonna say well not not a lot but I know you're in scripture quite a bit um, and I think that's one of the benefits of being a teacher right is, is you got to I, yeah, I, you're forced to go I in. No doubt that I get a lot more out of it than the people that are forced to listen to me teach. Uh, for <laughs> sure. I, I, yeah, you, that, that's, that's like that definitely the, the best part <laughs> selfishly is getting to, you know, to learn from and spend more time in scripture yeah. and, you know, reading through commentaries and, you know, just getting more acquainted with that for sure. But how do you find the strength to sort of like, you know, like you mentioned, there's, there's always going to be something in scripture that's ruffling your feathers. And, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a hard message to take. You know, how do you sort of go into scripture now, an older individual, not old, I mean, older than you were when you were learning these stories, when you were first getting introduced to them, how do you sort of go in with your eyes open now and sort of have the the chutzpah to to face it down? Yeah. And it, I've thought about this, uh, you know, th- uh, this concept a lot lately that I, you know, and I've, I've always, you know, loved like getting to read and study scripture, um, yeah. you know, from, from a very young age, like it's just, I don't know, just been something I've always enjoyed and I feel like gotten a lot out of. Yeah. Um, but I think, and I, th- I would consider myself, and like I said, I don't consider myself a biblical scholar, but I do think that, you know, got a decent amount of biblical knowledge, but as I've gotten older, I feel like 
you know, through, you know, a series of miserable failures, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, 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 but I say that half jokingly, sure. but, but as you get older, you know, through the different experiences you have and, um, you know, good decisions or bad decisions you've made and just spending more time in scripture and getting to have that hindsight and getting to like revisit, you know, hopefully over and over again, different passages, right. you know, I feel like what, what I've noticed is that I've kind of gone from having a, you know, biblical knowledge or, you know, a somewhat decent amount of biblical knowledge to like to having wisdom and the, they're not the same thing. Right. Um, of being able to, to see how, how, what the Bible says can and should be applied to our lives. The, the, hopefully the, the wisdom to be able to just appreciate the overall narrative and just like my mind is just continually blown by reading old mm. Testament, you know, stories and how they kind of are like, maybe not direct prophecies, but still pointing to Christ. Um, oh, it's it just, yeah, yeah, it just, it, it continues to, to blow my mind. So, but, it, but as far as to your question of like maybe dealing with, you know, challenging passages, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I, I have it all figured out, Sure. but I, I think that you, you, you end up kind of getting humbled to the point where you, you may not always understand everything and, you know, to, to come to the conclusion that one, you know, that that's okay. We're never mm -hmm. going to understand all of it. I think it's, you know, it's our job to, you know, try to get more understanding today than we had yesterday, more mm. tomorrow than today. And to not just maybe give up on a passage or just choose not to read it. Um, yeah. But, but to, but to be comfortable that we're, we're, we're probably, we're never going to have all the answers yeah. first of all. And then secondly, you know, having the humility to, to know that like, that God is God, right? Like, you know, like there's a passage that, that says that like, you know, God is in heaven, you are on the earth, like to like understands mm. like what the hierarchy really is right and that, you know, God is good all the time and we're as humans, like looking at scripture, looking at everything just through such human, like linear perspectives. Right. And, you know, again, we're, we're not always going to understand maybe God's reasoning or logic. And I think that we'll gain more, like I said, gain more understanding over time, but having the humility to acknowledge that, you know, God is good. He is perfect. Um, and that he's going to, to make the, the right decision every time. Yeah. Um, and then also that, that, that what God wants us to do is, you know, I don't know, some people view it as, you know, like, uh, like burdensome, but, but it, but it's really not like if you actually like live the life that God asks you to live, it is incredibly freeing. Mm -hmm. Um, so just, I don't know, just like having that humility to like, know that like God knows what he's doing. Um, you know, again, a, a guy from Preston Crest that I really admire, like he has, I think he came up with this quote, but he said, you know, God, you know, every day God, you know, feeds 7 billion ungrateful people. <laughs> like, you know, God, he knows what he's doing, yeah. you know, and, and another one that he says is that, you know, you know, God is able to handle our problems and he doesn't really need our help. Uh, he can oh, work through good. us, but that, but that God, you know, God's in control and just coming to that acceptance, um, I don't know. It, it gives me a lot of peace. And, and again, not that there aren't going to be scriptures that are, are challenging and especially a lot of time, you know, in the new Testament, but especially in the old Testament, there's a lot of really challenging passages. Um, another thing that I think is helpful for that is, you know, 
you know, take a look at take a look at some commentaries to like try to find some of the historical context oh, yeah. for some of the things that yeah. that maybe are kind of troubling. Like, you know, you see God like wiping out, you know, this group of people and like, oh, that sounds terrible. But then go and read about like the practices that that, that they were engaging in and how that, you know, would in, you know, would ultimately, you know, maybe did or could have influenced the people of Israel and then see if you maybe have a little bit of a different perspective. So oh, yeah, having that humility and also yeah. the desire to, to, to look at what that context is, I think is, is really important. And then again, you know, remembering that God is good, that he's in control and that even if we don't always understand it, you know, God always makes the right decision. That's You know, you mentioned the, the, the having some historical context. I remember, I don't know that it was necessarily something that I struggled with, but I've, I've I was sort of empathetic to it because I've known a lot of people that have struggled with you know the idea of, you know, oh you see God in the Old Testament wiping out groups of people, and then it's like yeah but the Bible doesn't always get into the nitty gritty of the you know the child sacrifice right and the, the really harsh things that the Canaanites and, and and different groups of people were were engaged in. I heard somebody put it one way that just to walk through a city during that time, like a Canaanite city or, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the level of depravity is something that we can't even, we, we, we wouldn't even be able to appreciate. And, you know, while our culture has many flaws, we, we tend to keep things together. All right. You know, sure. You know, on, on the streets, you know, if you walk down, uh, walk down the main drag of a, of a town, you, it's just night and day difference from what it would have been like back then and the yeah. things you would have seen and what wit- would have witnessed. And, um, no, that's really interesting. I think, I think another thing that, you know, it, it takes a lot of faith to go into scripture and wrestle with, again, when you have your eyes open, you can sort of see things that are, you know, the, the, the biblical paradoxes. And, you know, you touched a little bit on some of those that like, I, I think just, you know, the idea, I remember I would have heard people, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe an atheist might call it a contradiction, mm-hmm. but I call it a paradox out of respect that it's like, well, there's a lot of things in scriptures that, you know, I think it demands you to, to hold in your head both of those things mm-hmm. and to know that I may not understand how these two things go together now, but that's, do you think that's part of the faith process that you were kind of talking about of, knowing that God is God and that, you know, I'm coming at this from a human perspective. I'm coming at this from a temporal perspective and he, and a linear, I liked it. You said linear. We could spend the rest of the time talking about, you know, what a, uh, what an eternal mindset would, yeah. would do, uh, you know, when we look at some of these things. But, um, I, I think that I, I've noticed that when I see something in scripture that goes well, you know, Jesus is, Jesus comes in and he talks about mercy and then he comes back in revelation. <laughs> yeah. He's a judge. <laughs> he's a judge. And it's like, and you know, is, is, well, is he merciful or is he a judge? And as our preacher Wes would say, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yes. Yes. And yeah. yes. And you know, I, I think that takes a, that takes a tremendous amount of faith. And like you said, you know, it, you know, you, you you mentioned like living the Christian life, you know, sometimes that can seem burdensome to some people. And, but when you engage with it in that way, that it's like, well, God's asking you to do things. He's asking you to live your life a certain way. He's asking you to learn from the, from the things that he's given you, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, 
things that he, he's given you in recent days or something like his, you know, his word that's been around a hot minute. Uh, learn from those things and learn in faith. You know, I, I may be reading this now and I may, maybe I'm not, I, I think that all the time if I'm not getting something or yeah. if it's really maybe, hard. Maybe I'm not ready for this yet. Yeah. Like, maybe I'm just not old enough you know, <laughs> to be getting this. Yeah. I, I think it's, I, to be able to like, I think understand and admit that I think is, it show, does show maturity. Cause like, yeah. and that's, that's the great thing about, and like, and you'll see this even in just like regular literature that you'll like sure. maybe read and then reread like, wow, I didn't notice that before. And I think in no book is that more the right. case than the Bible. Sure. And there are going to be certain passages that are going to hit you in, 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 in certain ways at, and at certain times because of, you know, maybe just generally you're, you know, have gained more spiritual maturity, just more, more biblical knowledge, or just gone through experiences that you can, you know, look at, you know, a passage and be able to appreciate it so much more, or just even notice it period. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's a very good thing and, and, a, and a humble thing and a wise thing to, to be able to acknowledge, like, maybe I don't understand this now, but like, Maybe I, I, need to, I might at some point. Maybe I need to wrestle with it. Maybe, yeah, maybe need to wrestle with it. I like that idea you brought up of, you know, the Israel is founded on somebody res, literally wrestling yeah. with God, and then they're named <clears throat> after that, you know, the, those who struggle with God. And then that's the chosen people. Yeah. Like the chosen people are those that struggle with God. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like that it's, idea. Yeah, it's pretty mind-boggling. I It comes up on this podcast a lot because I'm, I'm very influenced, as you know, by Jordan Peterson. A modern, what would you call him? Thinker, speaker, In, intellectual, orator, yeah, yeah, intellectual. Yeah, he's a clinical Academic. psychologist. Um, but I know that in the last several years, kind of at the same time, you you've been getting into yeah. to old JBP. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was thinking because I sort of came to his, what would you say, like three years? How long have you kind of been? Yeah, I've kind of been aware, aware of him for the last maybe two, three, maybe. Yeah, two two to three years. Yeah. You know, kind of started, you know, paying more attention. You know, listening, watching, or listening to lectures, podcasts, yeah. reading books, and stuff like that. Within the last, you know, basically the last year, year and a half. Well, I was just interested because, like, I sort of came to him during this time of sort of feeling like I needed, I needed that sort of ground up transformation and 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 direction for mm-hmm. you know for finding purpose and and. And finding purpose in my faith, and that's what's so interesting is, yeah. you know, he's he's not necessarily coming at it from a traditional Christian perspective, more from an intellectual perspective, right. and yet he sort of gets to a lot of the same places. Mm-hmm. I think from uh, I have to suspect that's that's a that's about motivation mm-hmm. and really trying to find the truth. And um, but I was interested, like, why did why did you sort of get turned on and and to, to his work and you know s- things like that that are very I think the mo- if you look at the cultural movements happening, the mo- to me definitely the most positive. Right. Certainly one of the more positive. Why, why do you think you kind of got into that? I think I don't know. I think initially it was for one reason, and and it's kind of transformed into others. Yeah. Um, I think initially I was you know very kind of intrigued by things that he that he had to say because of just almost maybe more. I don't know if I want to say political exactly, maybe but social, just public. Political. public public yeah. space kind of issues like free free right. freedom of speech issues which you know definitely i think that's that's very important and just kind of his um 
defense of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was intriguing seeing, you know, somebody do that in, in another country. And I got to learn more about how, well, you know, wow, like we take certain things for granted in this country. They don't necessarily have it everywhere else. Um, so I think that's kind of what it was initially, but as I kind of started going down the rabbit hole more of like interviews and then lectures and podcasts and reading his book and everything. Um, I think one of the things that I just think is amazing is again, kind of his psychological approach to the Bible and like biblical religious concepts. And a lot of it goes over my head. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of it, you know, I don't necessarily understand, but, but a lot of it I do. Um, and just being able to like, you know, hear like either biblical stories or just like individual passages and like kind of hear a fresh perspective on it, you know, yeah. cause it's like, we always hear, you know, perspectives that are like, you know, biblically based or like from biblical scholars. And that's awesome. And I, you know, want more of that, but to like, to get it from somebody that, that has a different background and is coming at it from a completely different way, um, was really just interesting and, and beneficial. And, and if nothing else got me to think about some of these stories and passages more and just kind of see them in a different light. And, and I think it, it understanding some of the psychological, you know, components, um, b- behind, you know, a lot of these biblical stories and he goes through a lot of the book of Genesis, yeah. you know, really made me appreciate them a lot more and, and appreciate just like just God as a masterful storyteller uh, for one. And then also just, again, seeing some of the human behavior stuff at play. And like you said, you know, he comes at it maybe from a scientific or psychological perspective, but winds up at, you know, some of the same conclusions, which is like, we could, you know, spend hours talking about that, but well, yeah, isn't that, it's crazy. That's one of the things I've appreciated so much is that, I mean, if you think about it, if this is God's word, the creator who exists outside of time Mm -hmm. and it's his word for, for, for temporary people, for, for, you know, for mortal people, it's probably a lot deeper than, than just the surface level, the, you know, the, the surface level conclusions that I, that I, I think that, you know, well, we should make those, but then is it, is it deeper? You know, I I was thinking this week about one of Jordan Peterson's things on the garden of Eden Mm -hmm. and that psychological breakdown of like, um, of, you know, the snake in the garden. I thought it was interesting. He talked about how, you know, the, 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 the serpent is never called Satan one time. Right. Not in any translation that they know of, that he's called Satan. It's the serpent. Right. And then it was a logical leap that people made, you know, probably, you know, throughout the oral tradition. Mm -hmm. And then when it gets passed down and Moses writes it, right. Um, it's a logical leap that people made that that was that the serpent in the garden was the character of Satan. Right. Which I, I you know, again, that stuff, I, yeah. I have no idea about that, that kind of news stuff to me, news to me. And then I, th- I also think, and this is, this is another theory why I think I find those, you know, looking at it from that new perspective. So refreshing and, and mm-hmm. encouraging is like, I think sometimes as Christians, as people who are committed to being God's people and, in the modern day, I think sometimes we can treat scripture and things like that. So, you know, the, the topics that we get into from scripture, mm-hmm. we can treat it so sacred that we, that we, we miss out on so many things because we're not willing to actually dive deep and look mm-hmm. at it. 
and maybe even sacred isn't the right word, but, you know, again, almost to protect it, we don't, we don't sure. want to add any speculation. We don't want to add any, I, I've certainly witnessed historical context, mm-hmm. you know, uh, other contexts that we can provide yeah. around the Bible and when it's being written and, and things that would support it and would, mm-hmm. and would give us a whole new dimension to it. And, you know, I, I know one of my hopes is that we see, we see more of that and that we as Christians have more of a, a bold faith to, to go view things like that and to, to, because I think it's important to know more. Yeah. And, and there, cause there's, there are multiple contexts to, to, to scripture, right? Like there's Absolutely. the historical context, you know, like if, you know, like when, like in, like in the book of revelation, for example, like if you read about the churches, those that are specific to, those churches. are like for specific cities. And it's like, if or you areas, like, yeah. like do, do some research on like some of those places that like, you know, and what would have been going on at those times in Laodicea and, you know, Philadelphia and Ephesus and all those places. Right. It like, you know, when you like take the time to like look at some of that historical, historical, geographical, whatever the case context, like to me, it makes it much more rich. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, I think you can do that while still keeping the, the scripture like intact and, you know, nothing's changing about that. You're just like, I don't know, kind of getting, getting deeper into to that context. But then there's also, I think the, the, you know, like the, and like, like in Jordan Peterson's case, like I think there's also like um, a psychological context and yeah. there's a narrative context. And I think that is only going to benefit us by, you know, being open to like, you know, hearing some of those ideas. Again, not that you're going to, you're not always going to understand it all. You're not always going to agree with it all. Sure. Um, you know, it's like, like, like I tell people sometimes, like, I don't agree with with anyone about everything. Like I don't even agree with myself about everything. Yeah. So like, I like that. And you can, you know, you know, take, you know, things from some people and maybe not the others. I know like our culture says like, that's, that's not okay. You have to like either agree with everything or if mm. you disagree with one thing, you know, they're out. So right. I think, I think you can, you can, um, you, again, don't have to agree with everything, but but still be able to appreciate some other perspectives, and you know, maybe not allow that to, to shape your faith, but 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 allow it to um, just maybe add some add some depth, and like yeah. if nothing else gets you thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't, we, you know, we we don't really do a whole lot of you know thinking. Man, like, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. But, but seriously, like, you know, I don't, you know, get a whole lot of time to like really like ruminate or, or think about things right. like you, you know. Well, often when you think, right, I was thinking about, this is what I was thinking about the other day. Often when you think, you think you're thinking, yeah, but you're really referencing. Yeah. Which in some, I mean, I think there would be some people that would say that's all we do. We're all mm-hmm. just amalgamations of our influences, which right. I think is ridiculous because how would we come up with anything new? Um, there, but is there really anything new? Is there anything new? Well, see, that's a good question. But I do think in some sense we are amalgamations of our influences, sure. which is why it's important to have a lot of good influences. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, you know, I was thinking about this idea, you know, we were talking about, like, the dangers of being naive and things like that. I was thinking about the dangers of being naive when maybe a stereotype of Christians 
and maybe it's even American Christians. I don't know if it's a worldwide stereotype, but that that sometimes we can be naive, mm-hmm. and we're not aware of of you know, or, and maybe not that we're not aware, but we're choosing not to be aware of certain things because well, that's not part of our faith tradition, or that's not uh, that's not on the approved reading list, mm-hmm. or you know what what have you. And I was thinking about the danger in that is well, then you never have the opportunity to think because you only. I was thinking about this. You only really need to think when it's something that you disagree with, when it's something right. that, and maybe, you know, maybe we go even further than that, when it's something that is antithetical to who you want to be and who you are, you almost only have to think when it's that. Because, well, when it's just good influences that are adding building blocks to yeah. your character and your your knowledge base and your wisdom and things like that, well, that's well, that's great. You just take it in and you right. maybe you, there's some work to understanding it, but then you run with it. But if you never actually come into contact with something that challenges you, with challenges your your understandings of things, like well, then you never really have to think. Yeah, you know. And I th- and again, thinking is different than simply referencing, you know, to death. Thing. And not that that's bad. Again, yeah. I think we're 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 going to do that. We should do that to save time, um, if nothing else. But. But again, the, I think you know the benefit of actually thinking for yourself and, and finding how to do that is you know then then you're impervious in some sense. You have the possibility of being impervious to to evil, and you can look. You don't have to avert your gaze because you can you can actually face it down. You actually have the tools mm-hmm. to 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 reason and and not not be caught in traps that, you know, that I think you can get into very mm-hmm. easily if you're naive, if you don't actually know what you're looking at. And I, and again, you know, to go back to some of the things we were talking about with church and the danger of letting, you know, things in the culture that sound good. Well, that kind of sounds like the way we do things as Christians, yeah. but then you let it in you go, well, that's not really, they weren't really talking about what they were talking about. And I think that's what I'm afraid of today is, is I'm not really afraid of evildoers. I'm afraid of people looking the other way from evildoers, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I've really, I've really come to, you know, realize it's like thinking about, you know, Satan where it's like, I think, I think that he does his best work and his most nefarious work, you know, not in people like, you know, Hitler or Mao or Stalin, you know, who are all bad. Let me just preface it by saying that, you know, but you heard it here first, but but, you know, the, and obviously, you know, the people, you know, will commit horrendous acts. Sure. And, you know, I think that we can attribute that to Satan and his influence. But that's like, that's like evil in your face. When right. You, when you exactly. read about it. When you, but, yeah. but I think that he does his best work when it's a lot more subtle. Mm. When it's, you know, like you, to your point, like maybe not the, the evildoers, but like people that maybe you're choosing not to do the right thing or people that are you know, I don't know, just like, like do, doing just like little innocuous things that yeah. like can end up having, I think a much, much greater impact and can, can lead more people away. You know, when, when you see, you know, and I'm not exa- exactly sure if I'm articulating this right, but like, like if you see somebody that, that you respect that like, maybe like, stops you know like stops going to church or like does something in their behavior that like maybe doesn't i don't know maybe to some people it seems like a big deal to others it doesn't but like right. 
but he's not like, you know, a murderer. He doesn't like <laughs> cheat on his wife or anything like right. that. It's like, and again, those things are all terrible, of course. And it was like, it's all influenced by Satan, but like some of those, like just more subtle things that people, you know, do or, or, or don't do. Right. I think where, where he often does his best work and that's it's and, and where he does his you know best work on, on me. Yeah. So that's, that's something that I've, I think started to become maybe a little bit more aware of, you know, I haven't figured it all out yet, but you know, you always how to look for it. Right. And it's, yeah. but it's like, you always think of like Satan is like, you know, like it says in the Bible, like of like a lion, you know, looking for whom he may devour. And uh, he is that. Of you course. don't remember. He was also an angel Ex- yeah, was, and could walk into the courts of heaven, apparently, according to the book of Job. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. just traipsed on in there. Uh-huh. Um, so just like, you know, being on the lookout for that, that subtlety, is, I don't know, something I've been thinking about. That's good. I want, and we can end on this if we need to, but um, another th- one of the big themes of this podcast, I try to get everybody's take on. Because one of the things I've become more passionate about this year is this, uh, it was, started out as a feeling that I had looking around. And again, you know, I say the church, and I don't just mean this this church here at McDermott, or I mean the church as a whole, and but you know, knowing people in all sorts of Christian communities, you know, I was sort of looking around and noticing that I just didn't see as many men, and I certainly didn't see as many men involved. And then that was followed up by I wanted to do some research, mm-hmm. and then the research backed it up. You know, it wasn't just a feeling; it got feeling at that point. It was like, no, it turns out, you know, for the I mean, for quite some time now, for several decades, really starting way back in in the you know like the 1940s or 50s they even say that it started that men's attendance in churches started to go down Hmm. and there's this illusion of male dominance in church you know that you would actually might think that there's more men because a lot of times you see men as ministers Mm -hmm. and in positions of of leadership at church although that even is obviously changing in, in all over the place um but you sort of get this illusion of male dominance in the numbers because of that, whereas actually in the membership level, mm-hmm. you know, so they're not a deacon, they're not an elder, and they're not a preacher. On the membership level, you, you see men, if they even attend church, they don't have a desire to be more involved. Mm-hmm. If you And more often than not, they're not attending church. You know, Dad and I got into talking about some of the older ladies that we knew at Auburn Hills mm-hmm. Church of Christ growing up um, that you know they would they would attend by themselves and their husbands wouldn't and you know we got to see at least one if not a couple great sort of stories conclusions to those stories of Mm -hmm. you know they lived a long life you know and and wife was going to church and the and the and the guy wasn't and then you know the you know later on the guy uh the man coming to to church and and sort of coming to a different conclusion which i think is so beautiful to see that behavior modeled But again, that you know, it's it, it was disturbing to see that like, well, there's there's a lot of research on it now that, mm-hmm. you know, the gap has been about sixty percent women and forty percent men hmm. for a long time until recent years where that gap is starting to grow. Wow, I didn't know that. And you see men dropping out of church uh, at a at a very fast rate, and if you look at the last hundred years, at an unprecedented rate, certainly in American churches and in fact the the problem overseas is worse mm-hmm. some churches a lot of churches overseas have reported nine women to every one man oh, attending wow. and so again part of the reason of this podcast is i kind of want to figure that out 
and you know, I thought, well, well, what could I do to figure that out? Well, I could talk to my fellow Christians and my fellow Christian men to mm-hmm. see, you know, what, what keeps you going? What keeps you involved? What keeps you, what, why do you, you know, why do you continue to follow Christ? You know, maybe we all, you and I, I know both got baptized when we were younger. Mm-hmm. You were 14. I think I was either 13 or like right 13 or, or 12 14. or 12, almost 13. I think I was Around this, just talking about this with Kara the other day. How about that? I was about the same age. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you sort of grow up in the church and you make that decision. And, and I don't know about you. I mean, I, I feel good about when I made that decision. Yeah, um, but I also know one of the things I think about has come up a time or two is this idea that, well, because I was 12 or 13 mm-hmm. or whatever, it, that means that most of my sinning was done since then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's funny to think about. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, while I, while I, you know, certainly I feel good about when I made that decision and that, you know, that I was saved at, right. at baptism. I also know that I've had recommittal points sure. th- that have been absolutely necessary. And I guess I, I want to know from people, from guys, you know, what, what keeps you coming back? What keeps you, what, what makes your faith so important to you when, well, clearly there's other things the world is offering, you know? Yeah, I mean that that that's a great question. It's a and big I, question. I wasn't. Yeah, it is a big question, and I wasn't, you know, necessarily aware of those statistics. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, that that's that's pretty sobering. Um, I like to spring it on people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the great question, um, and I think I've also kind of been, you know, and, and I haven't like looked into the research, but like just a little bit concerned about, you know. I guess men in the church and just, you know, men, men in general, um, yeah. just like kind of a lot of cultural trends that, that, uh, I think are, some would, some would say, I would say are alienating men. Right. And it, you know, in a lot of different areas and like, you know, university attendance, you oh, know, yeah. for example, like there's, you know, recent, you know, that'll put church to, say, to shame in our Yeah. Right. That's just, you know, among men is, is plummeting. You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure of like all of the, you know, the origins of, of all of that, you know, I have some theories and, and it's like struck me more lately mm. because I'm about, you know, I'm about to, to be a father. You are going to be a father yeah, to, to a son. So I'm like, I'm about to have a son. Double so like, whammy. Yeah. So I've like, I, I have been thinking about that kind of stuff about how, how men are kind of portrayed, um, um, like whether that's in, you know, fiction or like like in culture right like don't you it, think about like the dumb dad yeah like when did and as you know now i'm even more i like our dad yeah he's all right he's all right but you and me are brothers so now i'm thinking about it for you too i'm like i don't like this whole dumb dad thing and even and just as a man not yeah. as a father but as a man i don't like that like when did we accept this characterization of our of, of, of a gender yeah know? and it's like you know i i think we can you know we should be able to take a joke, but at the sure, same time, sure. like that, that caricature. Yeah. I think, I think there are maybe some, probably some nefarious things behind that. Right. Um, a little belittlement. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I've been thinking about, you know, kind of that, that concept and like just, just men and, and especially Christian men and like wanting to like be able to like model that for my son. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago through, through church, I went on this like men's retreat to yes. Colorado. And that was like, that was also really helpful to like, just get to be around, you know, you know, 
17, 18 other just like Christian men, um, was, was really cool to just of different ages or all yeah, kind of all, all over. Yeah, there were people cool. about my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, a lot older, like they're a wide, wide variety. That's great. Um, so it was, it was really cool to like get to, to, to spend time with them in the times where we were kind of in community, uh, with those men, but also to spend time by myself where we were talking about earlier, not getting enough thinking or to, to oh, like yeah. to you just be out there in nature that. where I, like you, you, or almost forced into like doing some thinking, yeah. Um, you know, just like hiking or even uh, one day I just like, I just kind of, I, one day, like I got to where I was, you know, kind of done hiking. I just, I just sat and just did nothing. Oh, it was, and just listened and How watched. Cool was that? But a lot of the time I was thinking and, you know, sure. I was specifically wanting to spend time thinking about, you know, fatherhood and about having a son and like things that I wanted him to know. So, you know, kind of wrote some things down, but, but that's, that's been awesome. weighing on my heart a lot of, you know, wanting to be like a good example for my son of like a Christian man and to, you know, to show him, you know, what being a man, you know, in, in, in just in the world is in a, and especially like bringing him up in an environment where he's going to be at church and he's going to see me and other Christian men, you know, taking, taking an active role. Like I, I really want him to see that. Um, so that's one thing that that's keeping me going now is, mm -hmm. you know, wanting to like be a good example for my son or, you know, any other potential, you know, subsequent children. Um, and to also, you know, just in, in kind of the, the, just the overall family and marriage relationship of like trying to be the spiritual leader, you know, for my family. Right. Um, so I think, and I think that, I think that's really good for, for people in general, but I think having responsibility, I think is, is really important for men. So I think that, you know, you know, what kind of keeps me going? Why do I keep doing it? I think one, it's, I think it's just good for me, um, you know, to have some sort of a purpose because, you know, most of the like purposes that you're going to find in this world, like purposes for living, like, you know, I don't know, they, they, they kind of end up being pretty hollow and meaningless. Um, they certainly have a shelf life. Yeah. You know, they can't, they can't, they won't sustain you like your faith can sustain you. Right. Like, and there's, there's so many like just cheap facsimiles of like what we, what we get, you know, from scripture and, and it's, you know, and this could be this a whole other topic, but it's, it's amazing that like some of the things that people are finding meaning in that have so many religious like undertones to it. Oh, that's interesting. That it's like, it's movies. not movies are an interesting movies, yeah. but, but even just like, other ideologies that are very not religious, right. but have clear religious oh, like undertones in like practices and rituals. <laughs> so it's like, I think it's hardwired in us and call for commitment. <laughs> exactly. I think it's, it's hardwired in us as humans. Yeah. Uh, but they're all, but, but the, the ways that that manifests itself are often distortions of what we're really called to, which is like, you know, which is this, you know, like a, yeah. a, a Christian community, like a fellowship, um, and like serving and worshiping something higher and making changes in our lives be, because of, because of that and because of what he's, what that being has, has done for us, how, how he's redeemed us. So there's a lot of different versions of it, but they're all, you know, vastly inferior copies. So, I don't know what, what keeps me going is like one, I, I believe it. Like I believe, you know, I believe, you know, in the word, you know, I think that it's, that it's God's yeah. truth. I think that it's, you know, his spirit, you know, speaking to us through, through the written word. Um, 
so one, I just, I, I, I believe what it says and I believe that, you know, that, that he means that he's serious, that, that he, that he means business that and we'll that, be held that, to account that we'll be held to account for these things. You know, yeah. certainly we're not going to be perfect. And you know, that's, you know, why, you know, he sent his son to, to redeem us. We're not, you know, always going to get it right, but, but we, we do have, you know, some expectations and as, you know, Christians, you know, I think we, we have extra, you know, ex- expectations, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we have that, that standard that God has called us to. So I, I, you know, I've learned to, you know, take that seriously. And again, certainly not perfect, but, um, you know, that's one thing. And I've also just, you know, really grown to, you know, just to, to cherish his word. You know, I know I need to spend more time in it, but you know, it, 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 you know, means a lot to me because mm-hmm. the, the words are so powerful and they're so practical, like mm-hmm. incredibly practical. Yeah. Um, not, you know, if, if you follow what God says, like, you know, you know, you're not going to be immune to like bad things happening to you, but like you can avoid a lot of pitfalls that people, you know, fall into, mm. um, by, by following what he says. And then also just yeah. really grown to value, you know, his, his people, like, you know, just w- within, you know, church settings, um, and sometimes it can be kind of a journey to get to that point. You know, we'll all have good and bad experiences and everything, but I've, that's I've another really, theme of this podcast, yeah, but I've, <clears throat> but I've really gotten to, you know, appreciate, you know, the body, like the body yeah. of Christ, you know, uh, you know, that uh, of the actual people and, you know, living in, you know, fellowship with them and just getting to share experiences and, um, you know, conversations and learning from them. And hopefully I'm able to, you know, teach things to other people. Mm-hmm. So th- th- there's a lot of, a lot of factors, but I think it kind of, you know, for me comes, comes down to those. Yeah. You know, I was, I was talking about the buddy a while back. He was talking about being with, with, I don't know if it was an atheist friend or more agnostic, but somebody a little bit more into the ideologies of the culture and right now. And, and they, they were sort of, complaining about something uh, that might be not even be the, be the word that he used but his friend of his was kind of complaining about something and then my friend said to them well I'll pray about that mm-hmm. and then they just rev- they were just you know they they recoiled and they were they you know they were like no don't do that <laughs> you know and it was like well first of all even if you don't believe what in the world kind of problem would you have with somebody <laughs> praying about it but then he was my friend was telling me this because he was like it made me appreciate having that common language with you. And I think you said about appreciating the body. I think that, you know, we we sort of talked earlier in our conversation about, I brought up, you know, things about language and, and about some of the, some of the bad ways that we can get confused and tripped up when it, when it matches up maybe a little too closely with what the culture is talking about Mm -hmm. using those same words. But I also think that we also have some unique things in our language in our church language and I know that that's one of the things that I I'm also coming to appreciate about the body is like there's an instant shorthand Mm -hmm. with something like hey I'm gonna pray for you like that's my way of letting you know I really care about this even if I even if there's not something directly I can do about it you know and I and I think that's something that you know I'm also I'm all I'm also trying to encourage myself it's like it's like I, I care about you enough that like I'm gonna talk to God about that. Yeah. Like that. I'll go to like, him if you on think your about account. It, yeah. That, like that's if you think about it, it's like kind of a big deal. It also, is. one thing too, like I've 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 heard of what you described happening of like someone yeah. saying they're gonna pray for somebody, <laughs> somebody and they're like resistant it. to that. Right. I've never personally experienced it, but I've I don't heard of know it. Know that I have either. But yeah. one thing that 
from someone that had experienced it, you know, kind of pointed out, like if you ever are in that situation, like you can still pray for them. Oh even, yes, yes. Even if, if they don't want now to. Now you really should. Yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> but like you can still pray for them. Yeah. Um, and like you're talking about like kind of that shorthand and everything. And I think that not that this doesn't exist outside of the church of Christ. And by no means am I saying like, you know, this is something that is in scripture that like we're specifically supposed to do this, but like something that I have observed in the church of Christ, I've never seen anything else like it mm. is when somebody is when somebody dies. Mm -hmm. um, I have you know, never seen anything anywhere else quite like a church of Christ post funeral luncheon. And it's oh, like, you, man. I, and That's, I say that almost man. tongue in cheek, but it's like, they're incredible. Like, I don't oh, know no, if that agree. really exists in other places. I mean, like, you know, other traditions will, you know, have their traditions for, for things like that. But just like seeing that, like outpouring of love, like yeah. if you're like in the family, you know, that that's lost somebody, you know, you, you're having a hard time. And then it's like after the, the funeral, like after the burial and everything, like going to either, you know, your own house, a family member's house or, or another member of the church's house. And it's like there's like a feast waiting for you. And it's like that that's that there are people that like love you enough to like to take care of that, to try to like ease your burden a little bit to comfort you. And it's like and like sharing a meal with, you know, somebody is, you know, you know, like kind of an ancient, like meaningful ritual and like, you know taking care of that and like breaking bread with you. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's something that like kind of seems small, but like as I've gotten older and hopefully wiser, like I've really grown to like appreciate that kind of tradition. And, and there, I think are, are many more things as well, but that I think is a, a really, I don't know, poignant example of like, of, of the body, like coming yeah. together, serving each other, helping up people up when, they, when they're down, knowing that they would do the exact same thing for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it was, just, it's really powerful. It's you bring that up. I it was right after uh, our grandfather, mom's dad passed away, yeah. and I was in my sophomore year of college. Because another theme of this podcast is talking bad about university, so I'll get an <laughs> opportunity to do that now. But I was uh, not the whole university, but a lot of it. <laughs> um, no, but I had this class. It was a it was a literature class and. This teacher, she had a lot of crazy ideas, um, but she something came up about death, and she was talk, mm -hmm. she was bemoaning the fact that when we, you know, oh somebody dies, and the best the people around them can do is give them a casserole. Like how shallow is that? And I remember sort of <laughs> even at the time, like having you just experiences, I bristled about because yeah. I was like, exactly what you said. I had just for maybe the first time in my life appreciated the right. fact that like people from you know people that I don't even know they're just they know some members of my extended family yeah. and they brought food for all of us they brought food for and it was a big extended yeah. family that was showing up mm -hmm. for the for the funeral and it was like, I think it was even Thanksgiving week and so they made sure that we had like yeah. some Thanksgiving items it and was. things it absolutely was and it was like so I sort of bristled about that and I gotta tell you Jeff not a day goes by where I don't think about that <laughs> teacher and I'm glad I'd you're like not holding to, any grudges. No, I don't. No, I, I don't hold the grudges. But, uh, but uh, it, and it's like it doesn't have to be, you know, like a huge gesture to show people, no. like you know, that that you care. And I think that's in general. Them. Yeah, I think that's in general that, like, as Christians, that's something we can appreciate. It's like yeah, and it's like, and that that's directly from the source, like from from Christ, like you know, like just a cup of water, like yeah. it, it can be you know, like something that that you know seemingly insignificant you know 
can, can make a huge impact. And it's like, you know, and again, I kind of use that example, like not tongue in cheek, but it's like, it's one that like, you know, it's almost, no, it's an, you know, and, it, and it's impactful. It's like, it seems like it's not a big deal or no, like almost yeah. silly to bring it up, but it's like, it, it means a lot to those people. It's, I don't it's a lot to me. think it's silly to bring up because to quote another guy, I know you're familiar with Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. Some people don't find God because they don't look low enough. Yeah, How about that? Quite the quote. I think that's something, you know, that I've started to appreciate, you know, I think I was very influenced by the culture growing up that everything had to be big and everything right. had to be grandiose and and you know to to you know to change the world you gotta you gotta have this big idea and this big mm-hmm. plans and I've really started to appreciate now, especially uh, even more so in the last year and a half mm-hmm. with things going on in the world right. that it's like no 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 no, this, sometimes it's this really simple things that you do without thinking. Or, they, or maybe you can do without thinking. Yeah. Um, but it's the simplest things that you go out of your way and you do for somebody, and then you find that makes that makes a whole lot of impact. Yeah, you, you, you never know. You never you know. Really, you really don't. Well, Jeff, I hope you'll come back on the podcast because my goal is to circle back with guests when I've figured more of this stuff out. Okay. And so each episode is like a is a is a piece of the puzzle, and then we'll shake it up and we'll start it over. Sounds great. I'll be there. Thanks, brother. Anytime. That's a wrap.